Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm in charge. And my guest tonight is an absolute diamond geezer by the name of Tony Kerr. You're right, mate. How's it going this week, Tony? It's going really well, but... Ha- I... Happy New Year. Can I, just, oh, can, can I just be the first to say that? I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want to get the, the show off to uh, you know, a bad start, get it off on the wrong foot, but I do have to bring you some quite troubling news uh, at the offset here. I've just uh, had a message from someone uh, to tell me that the other day they were presumably perusing the rails uh, at the local charity shop where they should uh, happen across a World Cricket Show t-shirt. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know really, really what to make of that news. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's bought one and then given it away to a charity shop. They've not had it that long either, you know. Traditionally, you'd imagine that people tend to give away clothes that are old. Uh, but you know, they've only been in circulation for about 18 months. And that's the maximum amount of time that they could have had it, yeah. I mean, what, I, does, that, what, what does that tell you about the build quality, the, the, the workmanship <laughs> of the World Cricket Show t-shirts? I'm, trying to, I'm going through my mind trying to think of all the people in Guernsey that we sold t-shirts Well, I mean, to. thousands, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know who that is because I'd, 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 <laughs> I'd like to have some words from them. Actually, you need to find out some more information. Find out if it was blue. <laughs> if it was blue, then that'll be the T-shirt that my girlfriend bought because, uh, yeah, she bought it immediately, washed it with some colours. Immediately took a blue. dislike to the, the white. And in fact, I've never seen her wear it. That would be hilarious uh, <laughs> if she'd gone behind your back and not told you. Be yeah. like, going to have to get rid of this. Has she been carrying around like a, a plastic bag recently and she's not told you what's in it? But, I mean, there is another way, you know, there's always two sides of the story, another way to look at it. Someone's going to get, you know, a fine piece of World Creek Show merchandise for next to nothing. <laughs> I mean, who knows how long it's been there? <laughs> who, who knows how many people have been coming through and going, no, nope, not for me. I'd love to know the kind of person, if they didn't know anything about, didn't know the podcast, wasn't aware that it existed. But, you know, some like grannies in there probably going, oh, my son likes cricket. You know, like this. <laughs> like, yeah, my grandson plays plays cricket it's to be perfect and it's a lovely shade of blue as well so <laughs> the ideal gift go with your denim uh, well i'll tell you what that's uh, made an already bad week even worse <laughs> i mean is this is this our blue monday special tone well it's beginning to sound like it is because uh, of course monday was blue monday i think on the, the last show we looked it up on wikipedia and it said it was uh, the 6th of january but believe it or not wikipedia was wrong because uh, well, I, I think people just make it up anyway, don't they? Yeah. But it, it was the the twentieth of January was uh, officially, if you like, Blue Monday. Uh, how did you spend it this year? I remember last year you ate some chocolate mini eggs and played Football Manager. Uh, yeah. What about this year? Uh, I should explain, by the way, that for people who aren't aware that Blue Monday, the idea is that it's the saddest day of the year. Yeah, the it's, it's part of, of this year. kind of encroaching of of 
of occasions onto the the calendar, isn't it? Like these, there aren't any days now that are just it's just oh it's just Monday. You know, every day's got bloody something attached to it. <laughs> uh, it's, that's annoyed me. Yeah, well, I, I quite Do like I mean, it in a way because it's like trying to reclaim the day. You know? <laughs> it's like a relentless treadmill of occasions. But instead of it just being the most depressing day of the year, now because it is sort of famously the most depressing day of the year, it's like, oh, let's have, you know, let's do something with the day. And we actually did do something with that day, didn't we, Tom? We went, to, we? A, went to a quiz. Yeah, we did a pub quiz and, uh, you know, really sad. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was desperate, desperate. Because we were in the hunt as well. And this is all the, all the more worse. And it really proved our mental fragility It was once all again. the more worse, yeah. I, I would agree with you there. Yeah, as you say, it, like, we thought, oh, let's do something fun on Blue Monday. Uh, and for a very large proportion of that evening, it, it looked like it was going to be a really fun night. And then in the blink of an eye, it became... Terrible. Yeah, well, we, yeah, as you'd expect from two knowledgeable guys like us, mm-hmm. you know, we were, we were leading the quiz yeah. from about the second round, uh, all the way through to the end, uh, until the scores were read out uh, at the end. We, we turned out we were tying for the lead in the final round. Uh, and we'll run through some of the questions we got wrong in just a moment. But uh, yeah, we got, we got, uh, we got gazumped on the tiebreaker by some numpties on another table annoying yeah it was very annoying it's particularly because they made an error in when they were reading out the the results because what you're supposed to do is if there's a tie for the lead you would say and in third place we have this team and then in joint first we have these two teams what they said was that at third place second place and we were like oh there's only there's <laughs> yeah. only us to go and so we were sort of high-fiving and then they said, we've got a tie. It's a really annoying way yeah. to do it uh, and a rookie mistake. But I mean, it's just to give an example of some of the questions we got wrong, we couldn't count up the number of snooker balls on a table. Oh. That was slightly depressing. That, this is the worst thing about it because as soon as you know, we lost that tiebreaker and it went from being a brilliant night to a terrible night, I then didn't sleep a wink that night because I was just running through in my head all the things <laughs> we got wrong. And I was just thinking, the cue ball, the cue ball. Because, yeah, we counted up, what, 21 balls? That's embarrassing. In snooker, but of course there's 22 because we forgot about the white. Absolutely desperate. And, oh. you know, I won't go into any of the others, actually. Well, I think it was your fault. <laughs> uh, because given that we just needed one more correct answer to win the prize, one of the questions was, which building is taller, Big Ben or St Paul's Cathedral? Or Westminster Abbey. There were three Abbey. options. And it turns out the answer is St Paul's Cathedral, and we put Big Ben. And I cannot believe that you didn't know that, Tony. Well, I told you, you, you I, said, I said it's St Paul's. St Paul's is massive. I even drew, it more I drew, I drew a silhouette of the London skyline, you know, including many other of the landmarks that weren't in the question. Uh, but it was rejected in favour of Big Ben. You were like, oh, Big Ben's massive. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Look at it. It's called Big Ben. I was like, no, St Paul's. St it, Paul's. It really exposes the fault lines in people's relationships with each other, doesn't it? As well. The bickering starts immediately afterwards and you start to zero in on all the answers that you got wrong. But then you don't think about all the ones that you, you got right. So people were blaming me for that St Paul's gap because I was so uh, sure that it was Big Ben. But, you know, I, pull, I pulled some out of the bag, didn't I? got the population of England right. Yeah, you were spot on with that. It was got, worrying. Uh, identified a, a quote from Dumbledore, from Albus Dumbledore. I mean, yeah, you really you showed the breadth of your knowledge. Well, the quote was, uh, it takes courage to stand up to your enemies, but an awful lot more courage to stand up to your friends. Very fitting. The question was, who said that? 
and I said Dumbledore, but I, th- I don't think you were paying attention when I gave the answer. So when they were going through the answers and they read that question, you were like, what did we put for this? And I went, Dumbledore. And you went, Dumbledore? <laughs> and then they went, the answer is Albus Dumbledore. Yeah, oh, well done, mate. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice one. Oh, dear. Anyway, so we'll be back next week. We'll fill you in on how we get on in week two. Yeah, because it's, uh, what, a six-week quiz and you, you roll your points over. So you, th- there's a prize for each week but there's also an overall prize for the six weeks and so we're still in contention for that but it was very frustrating because what was the overall prize for last week 120 oh, quid 100 quid yeah would have been nice we left with nothing as Anne robinson would say <sighs> not even the booby prize which was a uh, world cricket show t-shirt <laughs> yeah uh well what is coming up on the show today tone well it's been a controversial week in the world of cricket those rascals at the icc have come up with uh, some proposals for the future of test cricket and they've got Everybody gossiping as a result. They've got a lot of uh, tongues wagging. So we'll be discussing those. And we will also somewhat reluctantly be heading back down to Australia to talk about the one-day series that's going on there. And I've got a a couple of side notes as well. So there's an awful lot to discuss this week, Tone. A treat. It's a treat for you. It's a real treat for you to be here with me. (laughs) My CC. This is the part of the show where we talk about the ICC, although I'm thinking of renaming this item YCC, or possibly what have the ICC gone and done now? Uh, Because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, some proposals for the future of Test Cricket have been leaked. They've gone and done some proposals. They've gone and done some proposals. Uh, And, well, they're not finalised. They've certainly not been approved. They've not even been officially proposed, but uh, they were leaked to Crick Info this week. Uh, I thought I might just read you the article from Crick Info because that might be simpler than me. Well, kind can of, you uh, summarise the article, perhaps? Well, I think... Uh, or summarise the, the proposals. Me attempting to uh, sort of stumblingly summarise them might be less uh, comprehensive this is than plagiarism just reading the article. if you just read out. Well, no, it's not plagiarism, is it? You uh, kind of, well, I guess you have credited Crick yeah, exactly, Info. Exactly, yeah. I'm footnoting them. The thing is, what you don't know is I can see your screen in the reflection oh, yeah. of the window behind you. And I know when you're doing your team of the year and all this rubbish and all your composite 11s and all that business uh i know you're just reading off crick info uh so you know i'm on to you bayfield yeah i didn't realize you could see my screen yeah there it is <laughs> there's the reflection yeah that's it. why are you on my facebook profile <laughs> just doing a little bit of uh angry birds uh just to people still play angry birds well, so you've gone awfully quiet and birdland or whatever <laughs> wherever they exist uh, I'm just actually uh, just buying some Bitcoin. <laughs> um, right, yeah, this is called, this article is called ICC Plan Hands Power to Big Three. The ICC is to consider a comprehensive structural overhaul of world cricket administration that will effectively cede most executive decision making to the BCCI, Cricket Australia, and the ECB. And I'm going to get my iPad, which is charging while you, just while you run through this. <laughs> just keep going. A draft proposal on these lines will be presented to the ICC Executive Board during its quarterly meeting in Dubai on January the 28th and 29th. Tony's just gone out. He's shut the door. It's just me on my own now. Don't you hate that, Tony Kerr? Absolute what idiot. Huh? What have I missed? No, nothing, mate. Nothing. Uh, the proposal... You know the, sorry, just the, you know the most annoying thing? When you plug something in and it's not on, the plug? Is that what just happened? That's what just happened. <laughs> I've not put any charge into it. Don't turn the plug off. Just leave it in an open position. Alternatively, you could just check when you yeah, plug something in. it's just not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't check. So, listeners, if Tony doesn't have any points to make this week, then uh, we know why. It's because his iPad hasn't got any battery. The proposal, drafted by a working group of the ICC's Finance and Commercial Affairs Committee, in which the BCCI, CA and ECB are key members, 
recommends wide-ranging changes in the ICC's revenue distribution model, administrative structures and the Future Tours programme, questions the relevance of test rankings and suggests the reinstatement of the Champions Trophy over the World Test Championship. And almost every recommendation of the position paper gives a larger share of control over world cricket to the Australian, English and Indian cricket boards, both in the boardroom and on the field. It also gives them a larger share of revenues in a ratio that is linked to the ICC's revenue growth. So the article goes on like that. Uh, the key proposals of the draft, uh, Cricket and have come up with some bullet points. A new executive committee to be set up with permanent memberships for BCCI, CA and ECB to override all other committees. Promotion and relegation in Test Cricket with exceptions made in the cases of India, Australia and England. Key positions in the ICC, including ICC chairman, uh, and the chairman of the executive committee to be nominees of the Indian, Australian and English boards and the reinstatement of the Champions Trophy in 2017 and 2021 in place of the World Test Championship. There's quite a lot to unpack there. The thing that for the casual fan, I guess, leaps out the most is the idea of having two divisions in Test cricket and not only that, but the fact that there would be what are called relegation exemptions in the case of England, India and Australia. So they would always be in the top division. Uh but beyond that, there's also a lot of financial restructuring and it seems to all be about uh, making sure that India, Australia and England are at the financial centre and the political centre of the cricketing world. That's what it's all about. As you said to me yesterday, Tony, it's been a while since we've had a, a good old-fashioned ICC fiasco. Uh, but we've got one here. I mean, this one... Thank God. It's so ridiculous, it almost feels like a parody, doesn't it? I mean, that article I read out, it could have come from The Onion, it could have come from The Daily Mash. Um, and it has provoked a, a pretty furious reaction from cricket fans all around the world, particularly in the countries that aren't in the big three, like South Africa and New Zealand and others, but also from fans in those big three countries as well. Uh, What's it, been your reaction, Tony? Are, are people right to be furious? Well, I don't know. Furious? Well, furious is a word, isn't it? I don't know. It is a word. If I'd use it, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction. Bewilderment, kind of in a way. Well, not not disbelief though. Belief, really. It's rather than disbelief on this. Not surprised. It's amazing when you think of you know when you think of us playing cricket down at you know Kobo. I'm gonna laugh. Losing, as we tend to do, uh, like it's just a million miles away from this whole thing, which just for the ICC is purely financial and political, isn't it? It's it is insane. And I think the key part of this in the ICC statement, uh, you know, it's the proposals have been put together by the ICC's Finance and Commercial Affairs Committee, uh, and it will be them and uh, well, they'll, they'll be discussed between that committee, whoever they are. I don't know who's on it. Well, You're probably on it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somewhere along the line, uh, between them and the ICC board. So, I mean, it, you know, this is purely financial, financially driven. But there are so many things wrong with it, it's laughable. You say that, and I do, broadly speaking, think you're right, but there is a part of me that wants to say, hey, now, wait a minute, hold on, uh, as the priest says in Sister Act. Um, Andy Bull in The Guardian uh, wrote quite a considered article this week in which he pointed out that the situation as it is now isn't really sustainable. No, we no, we talked an awful point. lot about how dreadful the ICC are and how uh, incompetent they are and how useless they are. As Andy Bull says in the article, cricket fans all around the world have been saying, they must do something, and now they're saying, they must be stopped. Some of the pro proposals here are quite sensible. One of the things they've suggested is setting up a test fund so that uh, some of the money from matches between those big three countries will be put aside to subsidise uh, matches between the lesser countries so to sort of try and spread some of the revenue to keep test cricket going and to an extent these proposals are in a way just recognizing 
reality uh, because, yeah, test cricket in those other parts of the world is going to have to be subsidised by India and England and Australia if it's going to survive. And, yeah, those three countries are the heavyweights in financial terms. They attract the biggest crowds, the biggest revenues through um, sponsorship and such. To an extent, because of that, they already are making most of the decisions in world cricket. So these proposals would only clarify mm. that situation. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, not only have we and many other people talked about the need to kind of zhuzh up the test uh, <laughs> test arena, if you like. Uh, and you know, and that, I don't. <laughs> that might be, as they've suggested, a two-tier relegation promotion system. We'll come back onto that in a second. Like a lovely little test cricket smoothie. Could you? <laughs> Just whisk it all up. And obviously there is a recognition that test crowds outside of England and uh, Australia much to both of them's probably disbelief are falling or or non-existent or you know whatever so yes the situation at the moment is that if test cricket is going to have a really rich future you know for all of the teams who are currently taking part then something needs to be done whether the, the proposals for a promotion relegation system which basically exempt most of the teams at the top level that that's not going to stimulate any kind of interest in uh in for, for fans cricket fans getting into the game outside of the uh, uh outside of those three countries you wouldn't imagine uh you know what's what's the point i don't know what would be the point in new zealand fans for example really caring that much about test cricket uh if they if they kind of if they can't ever progress i mean they probably won't ever progress that is the reality of things uh, not necessarily i mean things do go in cycles things do in, change in yeah long term cycles i think you're absolutely right there and i think that is the aspect of of this report you know that is so uh maddening for a lot of people and yeah to a large extent the financial stuff we're probably not enormously qualified to talk about the ins and outs of it but from a kind of big picture point of view it is probably true that it would just be recognizing a reality that does already exist india australia and england do have the financial and political hegemony if you'll permit me to use that uh, rather university word um they already have that but it, what's so uh difficult for people to countenance is the idea of that being transferred onto the field of play as well so it's the two division aspects of this and the idea of relegation exemptions I don't that's know what, what people find obscene about this idea yeah absolutely I, I don't know what kind of time frame they'd be proposing for a cycle if you liked it if they they kind of Presumably uh, it's, it's a home and away series. Well, I think so. I don't think they've really gone into the, the full no. details and whether it would be a top division of five teams or four teams or six teams. There's been some suggestion it would be eight teams, so it would kind of not necessarily even affect too much the lower-ranked teams, but you'd imagine that it would be a five- or six-team top division. Mm. It, I mean, it, it just doesn't really answer the questions uh, or it doesn't offer a solution, really, for me that, to the problems that there are. And... You know, one of the things that we've seen at this past nine months or whatever, you know, back-to-back Ashes series, whilst obviously in terms of kind of where the England fan is at, yeah, pretty pleased to see the back of the Ashes at the moment and mm. uh, and games between England and Australia. I imagine, you know, the Australians might feel slightly different to that. But yeah, it's it's been too much cricket between the, the same teams. And that's probably something, if they're going to cut down the number of sides uh, kind of competing against each other, you know, they want to... Clearly, going to want to be seeing England and Australia and India playing between each other. They're not going to want to dilute that too much. You see too much of that; it's going to kill, going to kill the golden egg, isn't it? Or yeah, the goose. I, it's, it's not, it's not very... going to kill the egg; it's going to kill the goose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short-termist way of thinking, isn't it? Because at the moment, a series between England and Australia, or England and India, or India Australia, is a huge draw. 
but it's because they're not that common. It once if you get to a stage where that's happening all the time, then people start to lose interest a bit, and then they won't be so lucrative financially. And we've actually seen this happen in recent times with test series between India and Pakistan, when they didn't play each other for a very long time. The first series, when they did play against each other again, there was an absolutely enormous amount of interest in that. The second series, there was almost as much. The third, there was a bit less. By the fourth or fifth time in four or five years that they played each other, people weren't as bothered about it. Now that they haven't played each other for a long time again, if it were to take place now, there'd be a huge amount of interest. So yeah, it's a very short-termist way of thinking. And yeah, this idea that uh, they'd be exempt from from relegation, just bonkers. I mean... It doesn't make any sense. Like you say, it it could be that uh, in reality, there wouldn't be any threat of that if there were, you know, if they did make an eight-team top division. But... I don't know. They've got you, you've got to just let it play out. It's sport. Yeah, it's just, you can't have teams that aren't allowed to lose. It, it just undermines work. the whole concept of of sport, really, doesn't it? And you can sort of see where they're coming from in the sense that yeah, it would be absolutely disastrous from a financial point of view if they did have two divisions and any one of those three teams was relegated. If you couldn't have the Ashes, if you couldn't have India v England or India v Australia, that would be a, a calamity. But that's exactly why two divisions shouldn't happen. That that's not a that's not a solution to the problem. And say, well, we'll have two divisions, but we'll have relegation exemptions. It's not an idea that can work. It's not a concept that can work, and it shouldn't happen. No, and, you know, cricket, well, particularly Test cricket, is up against it. I, I don't know. I, you know, I can see where they're coming from in the sense that you know, essentially, what they're creating here artificially, if you like, is what we're probably heading towards, which is the only. England, Australia, and India, maybe South Africa will play Test cricket uh, in a few years' time, a couple of decades, because you know there is the appetite for it amongst spectators. But for the most part, the you know the emergence of twenty twenty and it's kind of self created. Uh, you know that's what they're competing with. They're kind of competing with themselves, aren't they? Uh, on top of any number of other sports and everything, so uh, it is difficult. Uh, you know something needs to be done. It just seems like the ICC moves so slowly. Uh, bizarre kind of system of one year creating this test championship uh, then scrapping it scrapping the champions trophy bringing it back they don't really know where they're coming or going it doesn't seem like there's any real focus strategy across all three formats well no not at all and so you could look at these proposals and say well this is an attempt to try and sort that out to try and bring some clarity to the whole thing it's a shame that it it would have to be sort of uh, focused so heavily on three countries but if that's the only way that you can make it work then that's what you have to do. And actually, the New Zealand Cricket Board have expressed some tentative support for the idea. But the two divisions proposal and the relegation exemptions proposal does make you think that this isn't just about maintaining the overall health of Test cricket, is it? Uh, if it was the case that they just had the, the, the best interests of Test cricket in mind, maybe two divisions could work. But because they want to have relegation exemptions, and that just suggests that they, they just want to have more series between the big boys. They don't want to have to have England v Bangladesh ever again um, so it's not about the health of test cricket really it's just about the um, financial interests of those three boards it's difficult to know that it is virtually impossible I'd say to know what to do about it I don't know it, like I don't know what to say I think we need to do a world cricket show position paper which <laughs> you can research and and publish well, and, we've know, at some for, point we've talked for quite a long time about the Bayfield report <laughs> and uh, maybe happen. maybe 2014 is the year of the Bayfield report Pointless one-day series that follows the Ashes. On this part of the show, we talk about the pointless one-day series that follows the Ashes. 
Now England's Australian nightmare just goes on and on and on. They've already lost the one-day series against Australia. It's a five-match series. They're 3-0 down with two to play. The first game was in Melbourne. Uh, England batted first, made 269 for seven. Australia got there with four and a half overs to spare. They won by six wickets. That was a very convincing win. The third game was even more convincing. They won by seven wickets with 10 overs remaining. And in between, there was an extraordinary ODI in Brisbane. England batted first in that game as well. This time they put together a pretty decent score, 300 for eight in their 50 overs. Owen Morgan made 106. And then they were well on top in Australia's innings. Uh, They reduced the host to 120 for five when George Bailey was out. Glenn Maxwell and Brian Haddon dragged Australia back into the contest, but when they both fell in quick succession, uh, the score was 206 for seven. It was then 244 for nine, uh, with Australia still needing another 57 runs to win. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. But then England were Faulknered. James Faulkner smashed an unbeaten 69 from 47 balls to take his side home in the final over, three deliveries remaining, uh, and they won the game by one wicket. So England really throwing away what seemed like an impregnable position there. Yeah, so they went 2-0 down there. They lost again, as I say, in Sydney. So they've lost the series. Have you been watching this, Tone, or has it all just been too depressing? I've been watching snippets on YouTube. I've I've dipped in and out, yeah. Uh, I've been watching kind of good catches and a bit funny bits in the crowd. I've been watching the snooker. That's about it, yeah. It's been a good good tournament, that. Uh, yeah, pretty depressing stuff once again. I mean, that second defeat is up there Shocking. with the most depressing in English history, I would say. I mean, up there, you know, with the Battle of Hastings and things like that. It's just awful. Remarkable that not only has England not won a game, a proper game on this tour, you know, I guess they did win that. ODI well, they're not won an international. Yeah. Uh, and they won one back in November, didn't they? But, but uh, as I just said, yeah. they've not won an international. They've not won an international. They've not only not won an international on this tour, they've not avoided defeat in one. It doesn't even been any rain or like they haven't managed to, they didn't, couldn't even scrape a draw in the test series at any stage. So it is depressing stuff. It's, it, yeah, it's carried on. You know, Cook, I wouldn't want to be Cook right now. He must be gutted. He must be really in a bad place. Yeah. I mean, he looks now like he thinks Australia are unbeatable, or at least unbeatable by England. Is, is that actually true, or is the fact that they don't believe they can beat them the real reason why they can't beat them? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if he thinks that, he needs you know someone like Nasir Hussain to go down and 
have a go at him really and just you know tell him that it's not this you know cook's got it easy relatively cook should be literally onto a winner here yeah remarkable like, like you said the second match for them to throw away the position they were in what, what was it you know seven down for 206 still needing best part of 100 to win uh, in not a lot of time uh well, crazy. nine down for 244 well I mean. yeah great innings you'd have to say from faulkner yeah but i mean brilliant but but shouldn't have been allowed to to play it when well, clint mckay's at the other end England have got to finish the job. Well, I mean, Cook's position in the Wansay side is untenable now. You'd say, be even beyond the captaincy. I think he, he should probably he should probably go. Well, he certainly needs a break. I think. I mean, after the third defeat, he admitted in interview uh, that he was actually thinking about resigning the captaincy. He didn't necessarily clarify whether he meant just the ODI captaincy or possibly the Test captaincy as well. After the Test series, he said that he was still determined to continue as Test captain. These three games, it appears, have made him reconsider that position. He said he's going to make a, a proper decision when he gets home, and I think that's sensible. He doesn't want to make a decision now. He needs to kind of sleep on it a bit, go back to the farm and think about it. But you think he should be axed as ODI captain? I don't know, but axed is harsh. Asked to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's language, isn't it? It's like you don't want to be expelled, but yeah. asked to leave. Asked yeah. politely to leave. <laughs> I, I, I don't, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it comes back to what we talked about before. You know, England for England, the priority has got to be Test cricket. You know, ODIs are at the, the back end of the priority list, aren't they? The the, the priority queue. Uh, so, taxi rank. So they're the last cab off the rank. <laughs> if you, if your favourite metaphor. So for England, you'd think the key is getting Alistair Cook scoring runs in Test cricket. If the Test captaincy is holding him back, doing that, then perhaps you know, and what we've seen in the, in the winter isn't. A great endorsement of his captaincy, his cap, and what we've seen in the winter isn't a great endorsement of his captaincy skills. Anyway, you almost, <laughs> almost up again. cut it, cut that. Uh, Funnily enough, this is actually the third time we've gone through the whole episode to get to that point. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, yeah, so you know, first priority: get him scoring runs in Test cricket. If the Test captaincy is going to get in the way of that, uh, then we should think about that. I mean, next on the list for Cook, you know, he he needn't be captaining this team in the ODIs, really, anyway. Uh, and he's probably not good enough to get in it, despite some good performances in the last few years. I was going to say, that's a you bit know, harsh. I mean, he's, he's had a poor series here, uh, but then so most people. And yeah, but he, then he's never really been in one day. You know, I, I don't want to... I've probably said in the past, you could probably find audio of me saying like, he's, he should be in the team. It's what England need in, in <laughs> Well, well when he was made ODI captain, I was very dubious because I didn't see him as a one-day player, but then he went out and he was fantastic Yeah, uh, in 2011 and 2012. Maybe it is just the hangover of, of the, the Ashes. I think that's right. I think he... You know, but he hasn't contributed would, with the bat in this series. So. No, he hasn't. And I mean, If I were to pick England's best one-day team, Alistair Cook would be in it. He'd be opening the batting. But yeah, whether he should still be captain, I think, is, uh, is up for debate. Because it would be difficult to argue that his position shouldn't at least be in jeopardy after this tour. Whatever he wants to do, you know, the, the England management should be looking at whether he should be continuing both as one-day captain, but as test captain as well. Because this has been one of the worst tours in the history of English cricket, maybe the worst, certainly the worst in our lifetime, I think. As you're saying, and haven't, haven't won an international match yet, haven't avoided defeat in an international match yet, haven't even really come that close to avoiding defeat in an international match, apart from that game in Brisbane, which was the most depressing of all the defeats, I would say. And the captain can't not be under pressure after all of that. We've said all along that he's not a natural captain, is he? He doesn't have that instinct for captaincy that perhaps people like Michael Vaughan and Michael Clark have. 
And we said that when he took the job, you know, after Andrew Strauss stood down and, and Cook became captain, we said, well, you know, there's questions about whether he's really captaincy material. So we said that then. And even when England were winning in India and when England won the Ashes, you know, we didn't have doubts about him as a captain, but he wasn't doing it through inspiration, was he? His captaincy was all about leading by example. And he's not leading by example at the moment, which means that his sort of lack of imagination, perhaps as a captain, his lack of captaincy instinct is being exposed. Now, there are a number of things to be said in mitigation. The main problem for England on this tour, and it's a pretty basic problem, is that none of their players have played very well. (laughs) And yes, Cook's tactics have been deeply flawed at times, but the crux of the problem for England has been that none of the batsmen have scored any runs whatsoever. Now, Cook is at fault there as a batsman, but as a captain, I'm not sure that he can control that. You can perhaps question the coach. You can question the batting coach. I'm not sure you can necessarily question the captain on that front so I think it is a bit harsh that all the blame is being laid at his door because yeah. you know the at the end of the day the batsmen just aren't performing yeah all the players aren't performing no I think that's a fair enough point he's got every reason to be a bit disappointed and you know I imagine it would be very difficult to do but you know several of the players in this one day one day team you know weren't there for the ashes but whether they could have completely forgotten what went before and you know playing under Cook's captaincy is obviously probably not going to be in the best frame of mind but still you know it's a completely different game different series new start you'd have thought uh england have batted first and all the three uh odis up to this point and they've set reasonable scores you know they've not failed well two, think, two yeah. of them were reasonable one of them you, was pretty yeah exactly underweight but they've been batting first really with no pressure you'd have thought they could have got a bit further and and then they haven't they've not backed it up and australia have caught there so easily in both Apart from the well, apart from that second uh, second ODI, they've got there unbelievably easily once again. And you look at the England's runs in these three matches. You know, and Morgan has played really well uh, and leads the way. But you know, Ravi Bapara once again back in the side, three innings, sixty runs. It's just not enough, is it? Well, no. I, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to get there before you. You're <laughs> spitting. You're spitting. Yeah, none of them have scored runs, and Cook is as much a part of that problem as anyone else. But I don't know that Cook the captain is the problem there. I guess it's like a a, a football club, isn't it? Uh, you know, when results aren't going your way, inevitably it's the manager that gets uh, the blame and eventually gets the sack. You know, is it really his fault? Is it the players? Sometimes a new manager comes in and everything is transformed, yeah. but other times the team gets relegated anyway. Because well, it's almost as simple as yeah, the manager is the only part or the captain is the only thing you can change because yeah. you can't change the whole team. Exactly. Uh, if you're Wolves and you sack Mick McCarthy... <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought you meant like the animal. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Wolverhampton Wanderers, you sack Mick McCarthy uh, and replace him with Terry Connor, who proved not to be up to the job and they get relegated anyway. You can sack Cook, but who do you replace him with? And you know there, there just aren't any viable alternatives at the moment. And that seems to an extent like a bit of a, uh, a dubious reason, a bit of a spurious reason to keep someone on as captain... You don't want someone to just be captain by default. Uh, But I think it's actually impossible to ignore because if there was a serious candidate waiting in the wings, that would be one thing. But there isn't. I mean, who would it be? Stuart Broad? Possibly Owen Morgan in one day cricket. But I'll take that point. I I wonder, though, I don't know, particularly in cricket, is there ever really a a suitable captain? It almost seems like every team has a captain by default. There aren't that many people, there aren't that many characters or, or players of a certain standing within the game that would kind of fulfil the lofty kind of job spec of a captain. I so by, well. you know, by default, 
Yeah, Kirk is the captain by default, but he, he almost has to be. I don't know, do you know what I mean? Well, you know what I'm trying to say? To an extent, I mean, certainly in unsuccessful teams, there are rarely standout candidates. But, you know, if you just think about England in the past, you know, Michael Vaughan was a pretty obvious successor to Nasser Hussain. Andrew Strauss was a pretty obvious successor when Kevin Peterson didn't last. Other teams well, think, in world the cricket, there, there's often someone ready to step up. It Alistair Cook seemed the obvious Michael successor. Clark. Yeah, Alistair Cook was the obvious successor to Andrew Strauss. There isn't one at the moment. And you've just got to ask, would England be a better team if Ian Bell or Stuart Broad was the captain? Would they, you know, on this tour, would England have uh, done any better if Ian Bell or Stuart Broad had been the captain? If Andrew Strauss had been the captain, <laughs> they might well have done better because he's a better captain than Alistair Cook. But is Ian Bell or Stuart Broad a better captain? I, I mean, impossible to say at this point, but I would suggest no. But if you look at the one-day team, you'd have to say probably, yeah, you know, it wouldn't have been the right time to make a change uh, to say, Cook, you're not going to captain, uh, captain the one-day side. But having been humiliated for three months over Christmas, uh, which is a bad time of year anyway to, to be down, isn't it? Uh, you know, Alistair Cook wasn't the right man it wasn't the right man to be leading this one day team probably never was you know <laughs> so, so you can probably find me saying opposite in the he past he did lead England to a Champions Trophy final yeah. last year at this point though did England need someone with a bit more you know a bit more Paul Collingwood about them or some, someone with a bit of you know Paul Collingwood <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, more, more inspirational typically leader. kind of yeah gritty and, and kind of sleeves rolled up uh, dogged well very possibly but my question you know, is who, who would that be well, I don't who, know, are, you, you who know. are you suggesting Tim Breslin's from Yorkshire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, someone northern basically yeah Stokes just go down the Stokes high street in Scunthorpe and pick someone out <laughs> pretty much I don't know pretty much uh, very difficult very I don't difficult. know I, I just I'm not sure that it would be that helpful a move for English cricket if if Cook was replaced you know, it is very tempting to, to want someone's head on a spike, isn't it? <laughs> you want Alistair Cook's head on a spike. But is that actually going to make a difference? I think he needs a break. I, I certainly would rest him for the uh, one-day tour of the Caribbean, which is coming up. But let him think about it. Let everyone think about it um, over the next few months, and, and we'll see. Still two games to go. Can you face it? It's not long to go, is it? Not, what, when are, when are well, there's some 2020s as well. It, just, you know, just put... We nail on a couple of tour matches onto the end as well. Why not? <laughs> it's funny because I'm even now I'm still slightly excited about each game. Well, excited is probably the wrong word, but each sort you of night before the game, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is, oh, there's cricket tomorrow, and then I wake up, I'm like, oh, for God's sake! Uh, I don't know. The tennis has been more enjoyable, hasn't it? That's <laughs> kind of taken the taking the gloss off. How about that, Roger Federer? Yeah, I've fallen in love with Roger Federer all over again. <laughs> the side notes now in which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. We haven't done the side notes for ages, time. We've had so much ashes to talk about and everything. Oh, we've not had any of these uh, these little tidbits, have There's we? There's been nothing kind of jovial or light-hearted <laughs> in the world of cricket. It's been desperate. It's been misery. There well, haven't been any side notes. Well, I've got one for you this week. Uh, I've taken this from news.com.au. <laughs> Former first-class cricketer Craig Findlay slammed for belting teenage attack for 307 of 115 balls. St John's College's teenage bowling attack was begging for mercy as ex-New Zealand first-class player and Hawke's Bay Cricket Association CEO Craig Findlay 
belted them to all parts of the ground in a blistering 307 of 115 balls. Findlay, whose innings for complete flooring Napier technical old boys <laughs> included a mammoth 27 sixes, has come under fire from parents and players who questioned his motive against teenagers he should be nurturing. Finley did not appear to regret his actions. It was coming off all right. I was dropped early, though, by some poor young fellow when I was on about 40, Finley said. <laughs> My favourite six was probably one that sailed over the sight screen. Asked if he would approach the game the same way if he was playing against his own son, now aged 10, Finley said he most certainly would. I tell you, I also won't be cutting him, him, any slick, Finley said. St John's 16-year-old captain, James McNatty, said things were already getting out of hand at the 23-over mark of the 45-over match, so he pleaded with the 42-year-old Finley to retire. Finley said he'd think about it. <laughs> After another seven overs, I asked him again, but he just walked away and carried on beating, said McNatty, who then approached opposing skipper Mike Pawson about the situation. Mike said there were only a few more overs to go and to keep our chins up. Desperate, McNatty tried bowling every player in the team except the wicketkeeper. There was nothing I could do, so I used everyone to have a go. Concerned onlooker Megan Singleton said, Can't believe the cricket CEO retired on 300. Some of those kids were 15 and completely demoralised. What a guy! That CEO should be nurturing these players, not trying to show off and have his score on the big page. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, Tom. Good good range of voices there, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really brought it to life, didn't they? Yeah, really really felt like I was in the... Yeah, at the ground. Yeah. Yeah, nuts. My favourite bit about that is him saying, you know, and when asked to retire, he'll think about it. And he just kept on, you know, just him thinking about it. Balls just sail, ball after ball. Sucks after sucks. Sucks. It reminds me of uh, Competitive Dad from yeah. The Far Show. Because there's literally a cricket sketch in there, if people haven't seen it yet. It's a, a dad who, when playing sport against his kids, <laughs> just has no mercy on them whatsoever. There's one where they're playing cricket and he sets the, sets up the wickets about six yards apart and he's like, bowl underarm, you are children after all. And he just whacks it about 100 yards away. He goes, one, two, three, four, as they're chasing after it. I wouldn't say I've ever been on the receiving end of that kind of batting performance from like an adult when I was a child. But I do remember when we were on our under-14 tour, under-13 tour, whatever it was, to the Isle of Wight. I remember being like some kid racked up like 150 <laughs> or 200 against us in about, you know, in no time at all. I think you got 150 in a 40 over game. Just demoralising. I was going to say, yeah, we've not been on the receiving end of that when we were kids from an adult, but we have <laughs> yeah. when we were kids from a kid. And from younger kids as <laughs> yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad our team was. I was annoyed the other day because I played in a football match uh, for the uh, local kind of media team, so different different representative of different media here in Guernsey against uh, the kind of government, Guernsey government. And I, I managed to bag two goals. Oh, yeah. Uh, at which point, like, loads of kids started coming onto the pitch, like, not just randomly, <laughs> uh, but they were getting, you know, it was like, it was like the sons of some, of, our, some of the people on our team and on the position as well. Uh, so these kids started, you know, appearing. And, you know, I felt bad, like, trying to run in and score a hat-trick. So I kept squaring it and stuff and, like, trying to feed in these kids. So I didn't get my hat-trick in the end. You know, I should have taken inspiration from this guy. Yeah. Uh, You're a saint, Tone. You're well, you know, what saint. I'm trying to say is I'm a really nice guy. <laughs> was it like how you've managed to shoehorn in the fact that you scored two goals <laughs> the other day yeah. to this episode? Yeah. Well, 
that's about it for the World Cricket Show this week. Do you like that, Tim? I'm bringing that back. A little reference for the long-time listener there. Bring back some fond memories, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what to say to that. You look thrilled. Uh, yeah, that's about it, I think. Thanks for helping me out tonight, Tone. Been a pleasure as you, always. You've put in a good shift. What have we got? We've got an ADI on Friday, haven't we? And Sunday, yeah, is it Friday, Sunday? Thing. We didn't actually mention uh, Pakistan v Sri Lanka. The test series there, which finished one all. And Pakistan pulled off an astonishing chase to win the final game. Uh, they chased down, what, 302? What was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. why did we not mention that? Well, we just didn't really have time. We were talking about quizzes, weren't we? Perhaps but... we'll summarise that series. Is it finished? Yeah, it's finished. Yeah. We'll summarise that series next week. We'll summarise that series now in the next 15 <laughs> seconds. Uh, yeah, it was an incredible end to that game. Azar Ali uh, scored 103. Ms. Brahak, 68 not out. They got 302 in 57.3 overs. That's a run rate of 5.25. It's the fastest ever chase of a 300-plus target in test history. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> we've left it very late to mention, but, uh, but yeah, we have mentioned it, so we've ticked that box. We went to a pantomime last oh, week. God, there we go, right, let's go. We really should rename this the world what have Adam and Tony been up yeah. to lately show. But uh, did you enjoy that? It was good. Treasure Island, wasn't it? It was funny. Yeah, you were, you were dubious. Well, I I, well, you weren't sure whether you were going to enjoy it. I kind of roped you into coming. Hmm. You still owe me £16 for it. I've forgotten it. about that. Uh, but yeah, Do you, did you enjoy it more than you expected? Yeah, I mean, I expected to not enjoy it. So, <laughs> but the fact, yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. So, It was funny. It was, yeah, it was good. I mean, the funniest thing to me is how funny everyone else finds yeah. it. You were like, I mean, you were just creasing. <laughs> there are a few times where I laughed at a joke <laughs> and I looked across to you and you just absolutely stony face. Uh, but yeah. In my mind, I'm going like, yeah, yeah, that was funny. You're enjoying it. I'm like, yeah. But it's like the, there, was, there was a lady in the row behind us who she just couldn't believe it. When I said to you at the time, but there was there was one bit I can't I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, it was uh, one of the jokes. Yeah, it was, it was Treasure Island, so it was about pirates. And one of the jokes was, "Where are the buccaneers? They're on your bucking head." And it brought the place down. But then, like everyone laughed, and then it sort of settled down. And then about five seconds later, the lady behind us went. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's just like so kind good. of middle-aged people, like they you know they've got to put with. I don't know. Comedy now isn't like comedy when they were, were young, is it? Like comedy now is all like clever and ironic and stuff. <laughs> and like now they get they go and see some proper comedy, some like gags and yeah. like slapstick and stuff. And they just they're like, oh, thank God. This reminds them of uh, when they were young. Yeah, simpler times. They're loving it. Uh, but yeah, that, that amused me more than anything <laughs> in the actual show. But it was good. So yeah, that's that's what Adam and Tony have been up to this week. But it looks like you want to draw a line on this thing, so uh, let's wrap up. If you like the show, uh, there are things that you can do about that. You can like us on Facebook for a start. That's facebook.com slash cricket show. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Tony is at Tony Cover, and I am at cricket show. I'm basically living for retweets now, Tony. That's why, <laughs> yeah. that's why I'm wearing this T-shirt that says living for retweets. Um, I actually looked at it. I knew it wasn't saying that, but I still looked. I was like, oh. It's, uh, it's, it's something called a joke. So. Yeah. It's a joke that only works on radio. It's yeah, but a it's lie if you're in person. Radio, it's all about pictures, isn't it? Yeah. I've started tweeting, but I've kind of started, not, yeah, nothing not, that anyone would be interested in. Not about in. cricket. So I'm going to start tweeting about cricket soon. That's my next step. Step two. Yeah, you're, you're creating a uh, sort of a very particular brand, aren't you? Yeah. Of, uh, cricket and Guernsey FC yeah I need to break away from that and occasionally tweeting at Betfair I want to force my music taste on other people as well that's (laughs) only tweeting at Betfair 
Uh, to get my winnings. Send, send us an email, <laughs> worldcricketshow at gmail.com. You can find all of this stuff on our website, which is cricketshow.net. And if you've got some, some spare time this week, if you've got a free period at school or something, uh, write a review for us or on if iTunes. You're retiring. <laughs> if you're retired, yeah. Uh, right, <laughs> imagine that that is our audience. It's just... <laughs> School children and retirees. It's got a humour we're playing to. <laughs> we're just spinning plates trying to cater for both demographics. Uh, yeah, write a review for us on iTunes. We really appreciate all of those. But that's it for this week. Stay in school, everybody, or stay retired. Delete as appropriate. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. But bye for now. Bye. Can smell your fear. I was surprised actually in the quiz that there were no questions about cricket. Yeah, true, because that's a, a real cricket pub, isn't it? Yeah, it's true of all. And you know, write, feel free to write in. But I don't know if this is the case of kind of pub trivia, or what is it called, bar trivia, as they call it in America, or mm-hmm. what? What do you call pub quizzes in Australia? Uh, pub quiz. Sorry, <laughs> was that New Zealand? <laughs> I mean, a quiz. A quiz. What do you do in your quizzes? Do you have in New Zealand? I guess a lot of the. Uh the sort of uh, quiz team names wouldn't work. <laughs> like, oh, well, like, so, like, puns on the word quiz. Yeah, like, let's like, get quizzy and things like that. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> but then I guess busy, quiz- they'd say buzzy. So, yeah, I guess they do work. Let's get, let's let's get, get quizzy. Let's <laughs> get quizzy. Just We're turn- only really just doing the impressions of these people from New Zealand now. Turning off in droves now, these <laughs> people, aren't they? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.